Awesome. Episode 123 of the 580 Show. Myself, Dante Frawley, and special guest Andrew Clayton joining us on the show again. What's up? What's up? So you could, we let you do your media tour after your big win, and then you figured you'd come back to your favorite podcast. So <laughs> right, right, we'll, right. we'll talk about everything here. But uh, no, seriously, appreciate you joining us again. Appreciate your time. Um, I guess let's go right into like obviously clash first i guess coming off your your big win um i guess kind of just how was the experience at clash versus other big shows because you've been to every show small big and everything in between in your strongman career if you want to call it that and you know it's been long and how was clash this year i guess well you know it gets clash has gotten a lot of like so it's first year being there so it's the third year it's gotten a lot of hype um and i think Unfortunately, the hype didn't live up to what I had heard. You know, I mean, it's still a strongman. It's still a strongman, right? It's still in a parking lot or in a venue that's maybe not ideal. Um, but I'll say that the production from Tyler's standpoint was great. I thought it was the most professionally run as far as like the judges and him being like unbiased and him being like clear cut on what we're doing. And obviously, it's on ESPN, so like they have to have time frames. But you know, it's still at a random resort, a random city. You know, it's just you know, it's just not. It's just hyped up like anything else. You know, OSG is in a convention center in Daytona and like no one knows about it except people that are going there. So it's one of those things where the expectation over three years have been compounded. And I was like getting nervous. Oh my God, am I going to be able to perform when I got to go every 10 minutes? And I, oh no, it's going to be so hard. It's so hot out there. And everybody's like making shit up. And it's like, dude, it's a freaking strongman show. Like I felt no different. I mean, maybe a little bit longer between events, I did a little better, but I mean, there were guys that were training conditioning like every freaking day of the week. And I almost did nothing extra. And I felt exactly the same as OSG. So I don't know, a little bit too much hype, a little bit yeah. too much hype. I thought bit. from a viewer standpoint, I think we talked about it in the pod a little bit. So the first, like, what was it for all? Probably the first half hour. Yeah. Was, we couldn't see anything. It was, it was rough. The first like half yeah. hour to an hour. And then they dialed it in. I don't know yes. what it is with strongman and live streams, what we can never, ever, ever start off like you just can't get it right to start (laughs) but it was the first time i can't remember who live streamed it this year a1 a1 digital yeah and man i thought they did a fantastic job once they got rolling once they got rolling i agree and it was interesting because i i like the way they ran it so it'd be like okay andrew your group was doing um you know the deadlifts and then while they're resetting your deadlifts they would go cut to the other group so it was kind of like when you watch a, a strongman live stream, there's a lot of downtime, right? And right. that kind of um, that kind of fought the downtime, which was really. They nice. just need to have more graphics on the screen because that was the hard part. It's like even watching. So I I couldn't watch back day one because I don't think it's even been put up to rewatch yet, which is kind of annoying because I want to watch my you know I want to watch my performance too. I did wrong, yeah. um, but no, I mean they're left some to be desired on that and the commentary. Like it's just. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm very skeptical of some, of some of that. Not skeptical. I'm very critical of some of that stuff. But it's also tough because, like, OSG did such a great job with their filming. And, like, I'm not saying you should bias yourself to an athlete, but, like, they kind of knew in, in each heat who was going to perform well. And they had that camera angle set up. And this time, 
there were one or two events where like I won and like you don't even see me win because I'm off camera because they're filming another guy. And it's like, I get it, like that happens, but imagine if that happened World's Strongest Man, you're like, oh, I, I, I missed, you know, the rep that he got to beat the other guy. Like it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting. Yeah. The w- biggest criticism I have with the majority of live streams for Strongman is that they they don't have updated scoreboards. Yep. Like, I, yeah. you know, you watch a game, like imagine watching the Masters for golf. And they just never share the score, you know? And it's just like, like, <laughs> that's literally, that's literally what clash was. I'm sitting it's there the and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, me, Froling and Dante, every show that we watch, we always, you know, we always somehow, we have this group chat and we talk about it and we're like, I'm like, I think Andrew's doing really well, but like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. he's, he's doing, he's doing his, like, I think he's. I knew the points only, only, uh, I think two or three times out of the five events, I knew the points. Oh really? Like I literally didn't even know the points. Like just knowing, like almost intuitively, like what you need to do to win a show. You know, you need to average like second or third place, or probably third place of class, right? Because I got one with forty nine or something. So it's five events times where they allowed twelve this year. So it's sixty. So it'd be ten times. Yeah. So I need to average third place. So I can do that math in my head fast enough. You know, every place I'm not in first, I need to you know get it back on the next one. But uh. Yeah, I, I saw the score sheet handwritten like twice. And then obviously the, the first event I was in the lead, so I knew it was in the lead. But that's pretty much it. It was on a piece of yeah. paper. I'm like, uh and it wasn't like me looking at the piece of paper and like count, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And it was like, oh, I'm two and a half behind. Shit. Better <laughs> better get to work. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting because every person that I talk to, like when I tell them I'm coached by you or we're just talking about you or or a big show comes up that you're at. Every single person has the same comments to me. And it's like, have you ever seen Andrew Clayton at a show and how prepared he is? That is the one <laughs> thing that everyone talks about. Like, I remember Nick Hine had like a culture yeah. show. Like, he had a real like wake up call when we talked to him. It's like, I didn't think you could be this prepared as a human. He's talking about how you have like nine pairs of shoes, 10 pairs of gloves, yeah. e- every single thing. And I think that's really interesting. And I can see it. He's a great competitor because he did that. You know, some people get mad at me because I'm too prepared. Like, oh, look at this guy bringing his suitcase. But like, Nick, did I give him? I either gave him tape to tape his glove, or I recommend. No, I think Dan gave him tape, but I offered him a glove or offered him something. But like, you want to learn from other people. So like, he's been. I mean, he's messaged me and stuff, and I, I find that it validates me a little bit. But like, that's what you need to do. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not going to be a jerk to someone who like honestly respects me coming in prepared, but there's sometimes there's like a thing like, oh, he's taking a whole table with his equipment. It's like, yeah, because I know one, actually, I don't know what's going to go down because I haven't been to clash. And then two, it's freaking strongman in a parking lot. It could rain, you know, like heck, I, if I had a broom in my, if I had a broom in my suitcase, I would have swept off the course before the freaking tire flip. You actually saw me run out there and kick stuff out of the way. I mean, Brian Shaw does the same crap. This is the reason why he's got four, possibly five titles. Um, but yeah, I mean, I brought an extra pair of shoes, thank God, because I ripped the eyelets out of my shoes on the after warming up. I go to tighten them up, and I'm like, oh, shoot. So I had to get my gold shoes that I was going to wear just for the finals. I was like, man, better win now. Um, but yeah, like I, I try to come prepared. I mean, I offer people stuff. I bring extra things I haven't even worn just in case you know things go awry. Um, and I think that's what you should do. It's, it's a professional sport. It's just we're not compensated like an NFL football player or Tiger Woods or, you know, whatever other athletes in sports and stuff. hundred percent. And I definitely like, 
I know we, I know I want to talk about your coaching on here because I've mentioned multiple times so far, I've been coached by you for, I think two years now, almost. And, um, I think that preparation as an athlete, cause it, you're weird because you're 30 <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you have been in strongman for, he gets an AMRAP tomorrow. No <laughs> kid. Well, it's, it's just crazy because there's not many people like you. I don't know if there's anyone like you that is just 30 years old and has been in strongman for literally half their life. When I, when I talked to Mike Bardos last time, I went to go pick up Rex. He's like, Andrew Clayton has been doing strongman for half his life, you know, and soon to be over half his life. So it's all he knows. Like, you know, people start when they're thirties, forties, even fifties. Right. You've been doing this since what? 15, 16 years old. Yeah, I uh, started doing like zercher carries and yoke walks and shoot. I think I did like a thousand pound, like just pick of a barbell off pens in the rack at like 14 or 15 years old. Um, <laughs> so it's just been a lot of like weird strong stuff. I didn't compete till I was 16, but I definitely had homemade farmers and homemade, I'm trying to think what else I had homemade then, homemade yoke by like 15. So yeah, it's, it's, it's over half my life. And when, and when you're thinking about guys like that, some of the strongmen you don't think about is like everybody was mad at Kilikowski for not doing as well at World Strongest Man. But like, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. He's been doing it about as long as me. He's a, he's a little younger than me, but like, you know, he won Poland's Strongest Man, I think like three times before he went pro, went to the Arnold. So people are like, wow, why is he not performing well? It's like, dude, he has so many like miles on him already. Just because he's 29 or 30 years old does not mean he's, you know, not feeling the sport you know right and that's why guys can come in and mitch hooper is blowing it up but he's fresh he's got fresh wheels fresh shocks fresh everything and they're like wow he's a stud but like that's when the toes kowkowski was when he came in and he blew up and then of slowly those things wore out and i think that's kind of like me too is like i have more of that experience of like what happens when you start to wear out in the sport how to change you know how, how you go about things and learning all those mistakes i made of how to correct them so like i'm not training as hard as some of my competitors because i know some things are just like frivolous to do. Like, why do I need to do 10 sets of that? I can do one set perfect. And I don't really need to get stronger anymore as a 105. I just need to like not make mistakes. It sounds really cocky to say that, but in most events, I just need to not get worse as a 105 because the class rotates and it, 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 it rotates through people so much that we're not really pushing the ceiling of like moving events and loading events. We're pushing the ceiling of like static events. Mm -hmm. So, so, are you officially retired as a 105? <laughs> are you retired? What's like? Are you retired for good? Oh. I'm retired from doing a full show at 105. I don't want anything to do with that nonsense. And I say nonsense because, I mean, to have the two biggest shows not allow me to be invited and everybody being like it's an entitlement thing. But then I go win both those shows and I win, what I win? Nine of the 12 events. And I got one second and one of them I got a last because I got hurt. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that's kind of silly. So I I, the, I put down in my notes, probably the hardest thing is like doing a sport that you love and having to jump through other people's hoops. And that's kind of what it is. It's like, I'm getting, man, I enjoyed training all the teenagers because I wasn't training for anything. It was like, oh, it's Sunday. Let me go carry 400 pounds in my arms down my driveway, turn around and come back and try to get back in the rack before it falls out of my arms. And that was fun. And then the next week I'll try 440 or whatever, or every other week or whatever. And then now it's like, oh, let's do this weird, this weird medley with a yoke to three kegs. 
you know, I got, so I got to go buy three kegs. I got to go fill them with gravel and concrete. You know, it's just like a lot of work to do something I don't really find enjoyable. And then I go there and it's an event that's very easy or it gets changed to be like 30% lighter. And that's just frustrating to like spend your recovery ability, your time, your effort, your money, and then be like, why? So I just don't want to jump through hoops. And so hopefully I'll be able to like do less qualifiers or do local shows and not have to go through as much hassle. But I, I don't see myself competing against the 105s at a high level. Um, and, and the money is not there anymore. You know, it, it was said it was going to be at 10 grand the first year of Clash. Spoiler alert, it wasn't 10 grand for me. Um, so it's not going to motivate me to get out of my, to come out of retirement again for, I mean, it would need to be like 20 or 30 grand for me to do that crap again. It's just not worth it to me. So retired from 105s, full shows, super heavy, open, full shows. I, I haven't even really given thought to it. I mean, yeah. it'd be nice to come back. I feel like, you know, I'm saying it's about, you know, it's not a comeback. Don't call it a comeback, you know, all that kind of stuff. I need to do one lifetime PR thing as a heavyweight, I think, to just like validate that I came back and was like better than I was. I do think I am, like, as far as like there are some movements that knowing how I progress gaining body weight or peaking for a heavier show, how I do. But uh, until I like put that together on paper uh, in actual, what's the word I'm looking for? In a contest or like prove it, uh, I haven't really come back in my mind. Yeah. But it, it's it, it's hard to compare, right? Because I was 330 when I got hurt. 330 pounds i'm 260 this morning so i'm a little bloated but like it's not really fair to compare those two body weights but like if i got back at the 300 pounds and i was able to do stuff i was doing at 330 then i would say hey i mean i'm healthier i'm able to do it still it's been three plus years okay i came back i accomplished the goal do you want to take the time to go up to 300 pounds again though i mean that's a whole different quality of life problem right <laughs> like it's a whole different game well actually what happened was is the 105s that kept talking so much on some podcast about me needing to come back to OSG and didn't show up. I was at 290 when I watched OSG in 2021. And between wow. watching OSG at, at 2021 to be on a podcast in uh, April, either March or April of the next year, I was like, man, I have got to run it back again on 105. Like I literally had on my... So the podcast I did with, with Anthony Furman and Nick Camby, when they asked me if I'm going to do OSG, I say, no, nah, I don't think so. In my bathroom, on the mirror, I had 105 World Strikes Man written on. I already knew what I was going to do. I was waiting to do it. So I got up to 290 with abs, and I had to waste that pretty physique to come back <laughs> and weigh in at 231. I mean, what the heck? But no, I think I can get to 300 fairly lean. Um, sure. 330, different story. But I balked too quick when I did that. I was 295. Uh, I think three months out from getting hurt, and I was feeling really, really good. It's moving fine. I was recovering good. Uh, I had won USS Nationals the year prior at like 285 or 290. So I feel pretty comfortable just under 300 pounds. Sure. Um, it's over like 315 that I started to feel, you know, like crap. And then, of course, you, you get bloated for a contest and it's heavy events. You like start to feel really bad. But but yeah, it's 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 a it's a risk reward thing that people don't you know everybody sees it as like oh you did one hundred five now you're gonna do heavyweights it's like no one ever thinks like that could be a three year process what am I doing in three years where's my life going to be how much money does that cost you know it, is it worth putting on hold a family or having kids or like a business like no one ever looks at those things it's like three years at thirty to thirty three years old 
is a pretty critical part of your life. And so it's a pretty interesting thing where people just jump to the conclusion, oh, he's going to heavyweight. It's like, really? I didn't know. I mean, who, I didn't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, like that was definitely the most asked question on like the Q&A. So the two things were, is Andrew going to go to heavyweight? Right. And how would you have stacked up at World's Strongest Man prelims this this week? Like, I know it's it's frustrating questions. I know it's, you know. I've already seen the numbers, so I already kind of figured it out. How? So how would you have done? How heavy was the log ladder? That one I don't remember what the weights were. Probably I don't know, producer Dante, uh, I have it you can right pull here. that up. Dante, you have it. it? So it's five. It's five logs. I'm thinking it's every ten kilos or fifteen kilos. So it's probably like one eighty or one ninety at the end. So maybe like one ninety, one seventy, one fifty. But then it'd be one thirty. Yeah. So it's probably probably like one eighty five. Maybe one eighty five, one seventy, one sixty five, one fifty. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think I have it. 275375400 That's not all right. Oh, going 400 only 400 at the end. Yeah. This year like like just coming off clash probably still am not I mean in some of the heats I might have gotten fifth. But I don't think I get I don't think I get higher than fourth. Like that's just I mean I already know I'd probably I'm
if you know stones are going to be a priority, which we know, class is the same thing, right? But you know we're going to end on stones, and if you can beat out some guys, you can jump some places. But guys will still prioritize deadlift. And I was telling a client, um, he's trying to work on stones. I don't even remember what client is now. Uh, but I said, you know, it's typical. It's at the end of your training session because you have to put tacky on, you got to clean up. But when you think about it, we should really start pushing that towards the beginning. So I'm experimenting with one of my clients of like doing some sandbag rows to warm up, doing some unilateral stuff that's kind of light and, you know, easy stuff to do, and then do stumps and then do accessory. Because there are times that we just prioritize deadlift and log and like those static standardized events. And then at the end of our session, when we're tired, we do stones and a bodybuilder that does that for arms never has the best arms. If you put arms at the end of your chest day and you do chest, shoulders, triceps, your triceps are not the best. So why are we doing that in strongman where guys are like, ah, I'll do like a set of stones, but they'll do five sets of, of one variation deadlifts. And then they'll do like five sets of rows. And they're like, what are my stones suck? So yeah. I think get better at them and they're here to stay. And worst case, they don't come back and you spend a whole year prioritizing them. I guarantee you, you're still better at loading and carrying log cleans will be easier. Keg talks might be easier. You're going to open up the interior chain to build a lean back into extension. I mean, you're not going to like, other than a bicep tear or that type of stress, it's not going to hurt you that much. The other way around hurts you more is like getting freaking last on the stone off or, you know, losing the stone off. And then you did four events for nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just hate that. I hate that it comes down to the stones every year. Like you said, if it rotates, yeah. At least that point, like, okay, now our tiebreaker, I don't know, for example, is the kettlebell toss, right? Like, right. like it gives somebody a chance, whereas if you're Tom Stoltman and you're in a stone-off, you're not going to lose, Yeah. right? Trey Mitchell, you're probably not going to lose in a stone-off. And that's no disrespect to those guys. They've taken the time to get good at those events, right. but it's almost like lopsided in their favor that if they hit the stone-off, like, yeah, they're in the finals. You might as well just count it. So yeah. that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, my, my only gripe too is like if you look at the scoreboard, you can be five, six points behind second place. Yeah. Which, you know, is the difference of zero and then still sneak in. Sure. You know, I looked at the scores today. I think, I think almost at, like the big point differentials, like the higher person still got in in stones. Yeah. But like, you know, they, they're, they have an issue with their tacky or something. You know, they lose their trip to the, the world's strongest man finals and they were six points above the person. So that's what if don't do the stone off then? Like just, just have it be scored normally and have everybody do the stone. And that's also that's good for them scouting athletes because then we know who to bring. That's a good Because we only get to that's see two point. people per heat. And for all we know, those newbies, I'm not, I'm calling them newbies because they are, but like they're all great right. athletes. I've already said that every one of those athletes is good. Um, you don't know if they're good at stones and giants live and world strongest man doesn't want to do showing up to a, a, a show where they got a medley on stones where it's fast and it's crowd pleasing. And they like do two stones. Right. That would be a terrible show for everybody. So I say, have everybody do it. How hard is it to reset stones? You know? Sure. Right. That's a good point. I kind of, I kind of like the, I'll call it the clash format. I don't know if they're the ones that actually invented it or not. But like with that stone rotation where everyone comes through and it's kind of like back and forth. I mean, Andrew, you've done that twice now, right? Because you did it in the regionals or whatever they call yeah. it and the finals. What the are your qualified, thoughts? On Josh, yeah, qualified. qualified. I what's haven't your, qualified. Yeah. What's your, <laughs> what's your thoughts on the on like that format of stones? So I I'm not I'm probably gonna misremember it, so I don't want to be quoted on it. I think. So I know Tyler changed the rules a little bit because initially it was you had a certain amount of time to lap it and you couldn't reattempt the lap once it broke the ground. 
and then you had another amount of time to put it over. That was a qualifier. And then for this clash, if I remember correctly, you had a total amount of time to load it, which is how you should have it. Because, yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. Because I trained it to where every pick I would get in my lap, but there's one pick I did in my last training session that I bobbled. And I remember thinking, shoot, like that could be me losing the event. So I did practice like getting a little more under the stone. Um, but that was tough because that's not like indicative of who's a good stoneloader. You just made a, a small mistake. And I could just make that up on a faster extension. Uh, what I don't like about it is um, the time is not consistent, which does play to some athlete's advantage. I'll talk about it in a second. But also when you're in the lead, if you have to do more reps, you have no person to go against. And in some ways that means you get more time, but you also have no motivation. We're all motivated by other people. I don't want to, when you're going against someone, you're motivated. Uh, and that being said, I was able to use it to my advantage because if you watch flash back, what I did was if the guy was pacing, I would pace. And then the second that they started getting tired or losing their extensions, yeah. I jumped on the stone and I tried to pop it right over. And I want to apologize to Dan on the podcast because it looks like I threw the stone at him. I did not. I saw that. I, I extend so high when I load stones, it'd be so high over the bar. So I tried to cut my extension and push. And if it was if it was a platform, I would stop it myself and it would go into the hole. So it's really just me ensuring the stone goes over. But I'm also like one of the tallest and one of the best stone loaders. So it's like that was the only way I could load the stone and guarantee I don't miss. Uh, and if you want to make a rule about that, I feel like as long as the stone doesn't go off the mat or like you got to make some other rule. It can't be like don't intentionally push because you should be finishing your stone loads underneath, underneath or pulling all the way up to your chin and then having your chest or, you know, abs touch the bar and then drop. So I didn't mean to push at him, but yeah, that's what I did is I waited for, I waited for McKeegan and for Dan to kind of have that slower extension rep. And then next rep, I was like, I got to do this one in three seconds, five seconds and just get it back over to him. Yeah. Um, so, so that is cool. It is, it is it a crowd pleaser. I wish I knew the reps as, as we were going, it's very hard to strategize and know how you need to win. Um, but it gets through people. I say run the people through again, man. I say give them half points the second time through. That would be fucking fun. That's cool. Like just half points. <laughs> there was that guy at uh was he at the call was he at the Rockies one? What qualifier was he at that did he did like 30 something? He was in Nashville because Nashville. they didn't have the ADL live. And I don't know him. It's very impressive. I'll put two caveats to that. One, he didn't do very well in the other events, so he had energy. Yeah. And two, we all know that stones don't get weighed. And we talked about that two weeks ago. Yeah. The stone is between 300 and 350, is all going to be 20 inch stones. So, no offense, but I know that's capable because I've done a 330 stone for like freaking 30 reps. And I and I did a 365 for 16 reps. And I stopped early. That was my last session. So, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like it's impressive, but, but winning the show isn't. Yeah, most impressive. Great job to him to keep going. Like that's what you need to do. Jake Hare, yeah, he was super nice. He actually, he actually reached out to us after we shot him out on the pod. He was like such a nice guy. He said he was mad about his performance, so he's like, he's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna load this stone so many times. Yeah, that's what he. Yeah, he straight up like owned it when he DM'd us. It was super cool. Yeah, he was like, he just and he was like the nicest. Like Midwestern people are always like so nice. He's Midwestern. He was just telling me how much he appreciated his name on the pod. So yeah, that was. I'm not knocking him at all. I mean, I think he's great. I just like there are some caveats, but that is much respect going out there on the last event. So many guys go out there and yeah. they can't move up or down, and they're just like, whatever, I'm just gonna touch the yeah. stone. So, I mean that. That's what yeah. a champion does. That's what a champion yeah. does. Yeah. So, 
I was actually, since we're on the topic of stones, I was thinking about this today. I'm curious your guys' thoughts again, but like it's natural for like younger people and less experienced people, newbies in strongman to like look up to like Tom Stoltman and like all these guys, like world's strongest man finalists, Brian Shaw and stuff. And I was watching the stone offs um, today. And I see so many like lightweight teens and novice people that are like, you know, five foot nine and they're watching Tom Stoltman and they're trying to replicate his form with stones. And I think that's like such a mistake in strongman yeah. because you're never going to load a stone. Like Tom Stoltman's what, like six foot eight. Yeah. yeah. So if you actually watch his stone load, it looks lazy. Like if I did yes. that, yes. if I did that, because <laughs> I'm five foot eight and a quarter, I would, <laughs> I would literally hit the bottom of uh, like the yoke. Like I wouldn't even be, you know what I mean? Because when he's loading it, dude, it's like not even at his belly button. He doesn't even do every. So I, I can't remember if it was on. I'm pretty sure it was on a stone off. I don't remember if he did it for the first two. But like the second or the third stone, he won motion, and I thought that was kind of like a like you know in your face type thing. But like, why would you change your form? You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to miss. It's a stone off, right? Right. But he's just so confident. But yeah, if you watch most of his stone, his hands are very like they're not like they're very low, and he only has to do this. And again, like I said on my stone, like I know I when I train, and, and you know, being trained by me, I put two to four inches above contest height like yeah. so many times because I never want one of my athletes banging the bottom of the yoke and be like, oh yeah, I would have had it, but. Yeah, like, no, you're gonna you're gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, I watched I watched one of his loads in particular. I don't know how many he had to do, but I just saw a highlight of it. And I was like, man, I it looked like he almost missed because it was so like it just shows like I mean he's he's a freak, but like I have some younger kids and it's like just don't keep in mind you know you're not yeah younger kids are listening. It just popped in my head today, you know. So Ortmeier kind of used to load the stones kind of more by his hips too, but he had a lot more roll up his body. I think Tom kind of like his his power belly and like where he positions the stone is a little different. And he's also taller than Ortmeier. So I think where they start the stone is very similar. It's just Ortmeier would finish it and end in an extension, like going all all out leaning back. And Tom's like, oh yeah, it's there. And just yeah. kind of push it on the stone uh, on the platform. Yeah. I uh the last thing I want to say about your victory at Clash, and I just I just remember this. I I wrote it down today to, to talk about, I, I share our personal conversations, not everything from it, but I remember, <laughs> so it was probably, I'm trying to think when this would have been probably winter time. We were on the phone and we had a long conversation about coaching and every like upcoming stuff. And you just told me straight up on the phone, like, Hey, don't tell anyone this, but I'm going to go win clash in a couple months. And it was just <laughs> like, so like the way you said it was like, so confident and i remember on the pod i was with i think i was talking to andrew heinous or someone uh, and we were talking about predictions for clash i'm like oh andrew will win and it was just like ingrained in like my brain because you said <laughs> it so confidently and like believed in yourself i just thought that was like such a special thing to like look back on now because you were just like yeah. yeah dude you're pissed off and you're like hey man don't tell anyone but i'm gonna go win this call it's just funny how you worded it you know like i thought that was awesome well i think the story of how to build clash up was like no one knew if i was gonna go do it or not and i think that like makes it more scary i think one of the things you know we i already mentioned in my instagram post you talked to anthony about it, you know the mj mentality but one of the things that made him great was like no one knew what he did in his off time you know he was just like he played basketball and then like he, he played golf and then like what he do he was it, it's it's mysterious 
So just like never letting people know like what's going on. Like I wanted to hire a PT to help with like some hip rehab and some shoulder rehab. And I found out that one of the PTs I was going to hire, one of the other athletes they had was at Clash. I'm like, can't do it. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know. I train by myself, all that kind of stuff. Um, and even like when I got hurt at Clash, I didn't want anybody to know. Like, it's just don't tell anyone. And they almost build up the whoever I am in their head worse than I actually am. Yeah. Like, it, it, it defeats them. And when you're a, when you're a mystery... Like we've all been against, like we've all heard a guy like on the internet and we have to go compete against them and they have like one or two good lifts and we like soak that in for like months before the competition. Like, oh my God, do you see his 800 pound deadlift for three? Oh, oh no. And then we go there and he's a normal dude. He's got a good deadlift, but we've already beat ourselves because he's supposed to be this great, you know, athlete or whatever. So yeah. I just let people kind of beat themselves. It was a very interesting watching the sports psychology aspect because probably about half the, nah, a third of the guys in the finals they they have the mentality to be able to handle someone who's a jerk like me or I don't know how many words I want to say in the podcast, but uh, <laughs> a person who's a jerk like me. But some of the other guys, it was very difficult for them to handle my mannerisms and my persona when I'm an athlete because I was very much in their face. And if someone asked me a question, like somebody in the rules meeting asked me a question while I was getting a chair at the table for my girlfriend. He said, why are you getting a chair? I said, oh, it's for my trophy. We haven't even started the contest yet. I was like, it's for my trophy. So, like, just those type of things, like, when somebody says it, like, that quick, you're like, oh, shit, like, he's already he's already in it, man, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I wish I was Mike. I wish I was Mike. Do you think that stream was entertaining? You should have heard the stuff I said when, if I was Mike. Freaking yeah. Johnny and Mike Heat was a great competitor. I'm going to give him kudos. Like, great competitor. Like, he he tried to beat me and everything. He Is asked to borrow my nose. jersey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been talking to. Him. I mean, he has a lot of potential. He's only been doing it for a couple of years or a year and a half or something. Uh, so he has to he has to use my nose torque. <laughs> so my brother hands him my nose torque. This nose torque is like a year and a half old. So he like puts his whole nose into it because like it's weak. He's dude, this is weak. And I paused for a second and, <laughs> and I hit his chest. I said, "Strength is inside," or something like that. <laughs> it's so freaking <laughs> funny because I'm like fully focused and I like pause. I'm like. The strength is inside you. And he just like, what the heck? <laughs> That's funny. I can't remember what podcast you, uh, I heard you talking about it. Because, like, when you're on, I, I generally try to tune in. And um, it might have been World's Strongest Opinions. And you were talking about, like, some of the gamesmanship that you were doing. And I was just chuckling the whole time about you explaining it. And I was just like, like man, that, like, because not only do you do all that stuff, but then you're the guy that carries, like, a freaking sack of equipment with you, right? And, and have all people. the other things. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I have my brother and his brother. You know, they're both fairly yeah. big people. They're loud. I mean, I said a world strongest opinions. Like my brother, my older brother Phil, is like literally yelling to me with three competitors around me at the table. They're all scared of you. They can't beat you. I'm like, Phil, <laughs> you need to be quiet, man. But no, like all that stuff. Like it's funny. Like some of the stuff is like kind of planned. Like I kind of think, like, hey, we need to walk in there like we own the building. And I give him a little pep talk. This is how we need to walk when we're walking around the hotel. And there's other things that just aren't planned, man. It's just genuine us being us, and it's just being really confident. I mean, my brother's seen me win shows before, so in his mind, I'm winning everything. And that's not how reality is. I've lost plenty of times. But when you walk in with that type of confidence and people that are very confident in you, like, I mean, I told my girlfriend I was going to win, and that's the only thing she thought of. So, like, for me not to win would have been basically, like, you know, breaking her heart. And since I've been telling her for, like, months, hey, I'm going to win this. And then we're going to go on the beach and smoke cigars and chill. 
Yeah. Promises made, promises delivered. But uh, so let's talk about you as a coach versus we just talked about the athletic side. And yeah. I, I uh, let's talk about your coaching. I know you enjoy it. Um, I know you are like full bore. You are a hundred percent into it. Like I get a lot of questions a lot of time. How much does Andrew charge? What do you like about his programming? Like all that stuff. And the biggest thing that I always tell people I've told, I've said on this podcast, I've said it to you. I've said to Frawley and Dante is the attention to detail and how you treat every single client the same from what I've seen. Like, doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. Like, you know, all walks of life, right? The guy, the dad that just got into it and is going to do a novice show versus the guys that have been doing it for a long time are going to compete at the bigger shows and just how detailed and how detailed you are. So do you want to talk about coaching and like how you approach it and everything like that? I think it should be said that while I'm talking like, you know, being a jerk and all this kind of stuff, being an athlete, stuff like that's a persona. Like you have different facets of, of one person. So like, how I act when I'm competing is not me all the time. And I think that's one of the problems with me marketing myself as a coach. Because some people think that's how I coach. And I think I'm very much different when I coach or when I'm around people when I'm, you know, when I'm not competing. So uh, when it comes to coaching, I'm trying to meet people where they're at, you know? So everybody's got different goals. Most of the people I work with are still never going to, this sounds cocky, like they're not going to get the level I'm at. So I, I can't use the same strategies, but I want everybody to be treated the same. And I think I learned a lot from, I worked under Mike Westerling and he was always very attentive. Like if I texted him, if I messaged him, you know, he changed programs. So I'm like, okay, if Mike is who I came from, I need to do that. I need to find ways that I can either improve upon what he's doing or uh, I don't like the word advanced, but like, you know, he's older and does things without an app and things like that. So like, how can I do it a little bit better? Or how can I improve the service? How can I serve the customer? And the problem I see with professional athletes is they think, of their clients is like just money in their pocket to like fund their dream. And like, don't get me wrong. Like having clients funds the fact I can train at home. And I don't forget that because like every meal I eat is funded by my clients paying me money. But that being said, like they're the customer. So if a client says, Hey, Andrew, like, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like this split. I don't like this layout. It's not conducive to my lifestyle. It's too long of a workout. I'm not going to be like, well, I'm the professional. You do it this way. No, I'm like, okay, Tell me how we can work around and I'm going to make it as optimal as I can based on the parameters that you give me. Uh, And then when it comes to feedback, like I'm going to watch their videos. And if you put videos in, if you put notes, you create a dialogue, it creates like a story. And I just kind of like help you write that story of training. And uh, I'm trying to think of some big lessons I've learned uh, in coaching. I've probably learned more about, obviously more about people, but also I've learned more about like, uh, like exercise interaction, like how things overlap because my clients do it before I do. So like you guys are doing events that are very common, like sandbag the shoulder and like, you know, there's arm over arms. That's a unilateral event, you know, it's twisting. So like understanding how those two events interact in a training cycle benefits me as an athlete. So my experience as an athlete benefits my clients and my clients benefits me. So it's just a, I know I'm going off all these tangents because I'm probably just really crazy right now, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it it, it, it blows my mind that there are coaches out there that complain about their clients because at the very core of it, my clients are helping me and I want to do whatever I can to help them. And whether it's imposter syndrome or having worked with coaches that were not very attentive, but I never want anyone to say, oh yeah, I worked with Andrew Clayton, but then he just like started ghosting me and ignoring my messages or he started copying and pasting my program. Like 
go ahead and try to find a copy and paste. Like, freaking try. Like, you're not going to find it. And there's been a, a handful of times I've missed messages, which are usually like an app error, that I haven't responded in like more than a day or two. Like, I tried very, very hard to do what I want as an athlete. So, yeah, I, I think so. That was something I wanted to touch on. It is crazy in the strongman world. And I'm not saying every person has to hire Andrew Clayton. There's a million coaches. And, but no, like, almost full, so. But, <laughs> but like, it is crazy when you hear, I know Frawley and Dante have heard these too, the horror stories that people put up with from some of the biggest names and just random coaches like being left on red for three, four weeks at a time, not being updated, but still collecting money, copy yeah. and paste. Like it's just people's expectations are so low for coaches. That's it. Is you got to have the expectations outlined. Yeah. Like that's, and that's what, and, and uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is just a great point. No, no. I hired, I hired a mentor. His name is Paul O'Need and he's been coaching for like 15 years uh, and I hired him based on a bunch of other friends of mine who are high level coaches that, that referred me. Cause like, you know, he helps with the business side and just improving just everything, like all the back end stuff. And, uh, yeah, one of the first things he had me do is write a terms of service and get expectations because one of the problems with communication with clients is you don't have the expectation. So a client might expect you to respond in four hours and you never were planning on doing that. You were going to respond in 24 so no matter how good your service is to your expectation, you'll never meet their expectation. So my ex my the terms of service outlines the expectations and I make sure people understand them. And then if there's a conflict, I can refer to that. And if enough people, I don't want to say the word complain, but if enough people brought to attention, hey, this element of your service does not fulfill what I was expecting, then maybe I would adjust it. So I have adjusted some things, but I take off Sundays and I don't reply to messages. And there's occasionally I will just because I'm, I happen to be on my computer, but they know that. So yeah. if they're like, hey, Andrew, you didn't reply to me. And I messaged you at like 8 p.m. on Saturday. I'm like, well, you're not in business hours. I apologize. How can I help you? And it's never been an issue yep. because term of service said it. So a, a lot of coaches don't run their business like a business. And, and I was guilty of this early on, but it is a business. And that means you have to have terms of service and all these other things. And then it's also a business in the fact that you're Clients are customers, and I know this is lost after COVID. No one wants to work, and no one wants to do customer service. But like customer service sells anything. I am not the best coach. I do not program the best. I don't have the best app. I don't type the best. I don't make the best videos. But I'm going to aim to have my customer service really good. So those coaches that are better than me that suck at being people, people, people pleasers, or like actually helping their customers, they lose their clients because of that. I'm not going to lose my clients because of that. Yeah. I'm like, I just pulled up as you were talking, I pulled up like an email, like as an example, like that we have from you. And it's like your whole client list. And like when it was, this is right on, right on par with what we're talking about. Cause it's when you went to clash and yeah. you laid out in like a lot of words, like it could be an ebook basically, but like oh, how you appreciate us, what day you'll be gone. Like exactly how you updated everyone's thing expectations for while you're at a competition. Like, and it's like, I think, it goes like just compliments what you're talking about. It's like you lay out your expectations. Hey, I may not answer between the 21st and the 27th because I'm still actively competing. I'm mm -hmm. going to be on vacation. Everyone's programmed for at least the next two weeks. So you guys are all good. You know, this is how to get a hold of me and merge like all that stuff. So I think just being like, and if up, anyone had a problem, I would be willing to fix it. Like, I'm not afraid to be like, hey, you didn't feel like you got that week's worth of programming. 
How can I make it right? Do I need to refund right. you the last month? I mean, I am, to me, refunding money, I never question. I've done it numerous times. The client wasn't in the right. I'm going to make it right. Never leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. That's yeah. that's probably like the core thing. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so how many how many spots are you still taking for people <laughs> that are listening and want to know? I literally, I shit you not. I shouldn't have swore. My mother-in-law <laughs> listens to the podcast every week and gets mad when I swear. But, I um, too much. <laughs> I have two DMs right now since we've started recording. Hey, how much does Andrew charge? Two identical messages from two uh, two separate people. Hmm. Like, so I'm just people are obviously still curious about hiring you. Uh, how many do you still have? A lot of spots left. Are you trying to be? So I try to keep a fairly strict roster. Like I, uh, I have to double check. My original cap, I think I have like three or four spots for training. I have more spots for nutrition. Um, if I can improve my systems, I might open a little bit more clients. But I, again, I want it to be more attention to less clients. Um, and when they ask about price, it's a tough question to answer. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cost more because I'm gonna give you more attention. And that's what you don't want to have happen is get more clients and then also be the premium service charger. Um, I know. Some of the strongman goals is like going to be in a high volume model, providing very cheap coaching. We already have very cheap gyms. I I don't remember your membership rate, but I guarantee you it's less than what a hundred a month. It's less than half that forty dollars. Yeah, right, right. So you can basically do strongman for forty dollars a month. That's ridiculous. Yeah, Fifty five. So Fifty five now, but still, it's still these guys still are too cheap. Right, right. It's still it's still too cheap. So unfortunately, people have gotten used to that like really low price point. Great point. And we're yeah. So um, I would say you're going to get your money's worth. Like yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's an all coaching. If you're paying $50 a month, man, don't be surprised. It's the same program for four weeks in a row. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but like, don't be surprised. Well, it's weird. <laughs> like it's weird. Fitness as a whole, for some reason is like one of the most disrespected professions where like, as I, I, we all can see it from different angles, but like as a gym owner, people come down and just like, Hey, like high schoolers think they should get like half off rate. And it's like, dude, I want to charge high schoolers more. Double. <laughs> they understand less and their brains aren't fully developed. And I have to explain yeah. shit to you. Like it, it, people are so disrespectful. Like they call on the phone and they're like $55 a month. Like that's ridiculous. Like, okay, well then this gym, let me just, I've told so many people like, well, this gym's not for you there because you go. we have every single piece of equipment. It's 24, seven, 365. And like, but like it's the same with coaching. People are like, just think it should be free and like pre-workout. People think it should be like they should be sponsored because they want a novice show as a you know against two people. Like no offense, but like I just think fitness as a whole for some reason is such a disrespected like. Well, think about what you pay to go see like a physical therapist. Like I go to a cash-based physical therapist, and even though he gives me a discount, he essentially is like as expensive in one visit as almost a month of coaching. And like what I do in coaching is a little bit what he does, right? I problem solve, I triage the issue, I either regress or progress to make them, you know, fit, you know, where they're not having pain and then get the momentum into a training program. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not doing physical therapy. I'm like diagnosing or anything like that. But like, you can't tell me I'm not doing some of the same things. And to be able, if, if I charged every hour as if I was him, I would be like, four or five times more costly. And there are coaches that do charge it. There are coaches in bodybuilding that charge thousands of dollars a month because they're doing everything. They're doing your training and your supplements and your diet, thousands of dollars a month. And they're making a ton of adjustments. Um, but yeah, both the gym 
the gym price and the coaching price is making it very difficult for people to be serious and strong, man. Uh, because like I saw that where I lived and the gym that I used to be at, and, I, and we've chatted about it, like, uh, you know, via text, you know, they go out of business. They basically try to steal, they stole my stone platform. Uh, they, the, the previous owner basically came to my house and threatened me and said I would amount, said I would amount to nothing. And I never did anything strong, man. Oh, what an idiot. Yeah. Oh man. That's okay. Funny. I just had to let that off my chest. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, so <laughs> I felt that one. That one was deep. But, so, uh, you know, yeah. You know, these people are, they're not used to buying into something. So they want $40 gym membership, $40 coaching, and spend $250 on SPD sleeves. Bro. Yeah. Bro. The sleeves aren't the problem. You just suck. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, world out there in the fitness stuff. There's, it's crazy because you live in Jacksonville. And like obviously you train at home, but like you're in like one of the most populated cities and 12th, 12th most pop 12th most populated and biggest in the continental United States by land area. You would think there'd be tons of pro strongmen, and I'm the only one. Yeah. You think there'd be like a good strongman gym? We should open 580 South down there. You can uh be oh. the GM. But uh <laughs> 580 it's South. <laughs> It's crazy because you you talk about like strongman being taken serious and stuff. I was at collegiate USAPL collegiate powerlifting nationals this weekend, this past weekend in Dallas. And it really just reminded me how much bigger powerlifting is than strongman. Like it's, they had 1200 lifters for collegiate nationals, collegiate. And these guys like, so guy at our gym, pork he competed he goes to a small like division two school they pay for a lot of their stuff it's like it's like even school funded it was really really cool to see all these schools like big division one schools all the way down to division three they're in like their jumpsuits the presentation was amazing um and it and then you like talk about strongman and you just won arguably the well you did win the two biggest 105 shows in the world and you're talking about these minuscule payouts and having to, you know, qualify. All uh, this stuff. It's just, I mean, I'm complaining. I mean, I, I won the most prize man I ever won this past year. It's, and it helped my business. So like, uh, it's just, yeah, those things are just comparing to other years. You know, it was, it was 40% less on pretty much both shows as compared to other years. And then you add inflation, you know, all this, whatever, but, uh, but yeah, Powerlifting is is freaking blowing up, man. Because you've seen a barbell and apparently Kilo plays an ER rack, but yep. you know you you don't need those. And I, I think that's great. Uh, the only problem is we're widening the um, chart, and we still have more people skewed. I know I'm going to be a different angle on the screen, but like to the left. So like same with strongman, like more people than ever theoretically are doing like 105, but the top five percentile has not gotten that much better just to have more participation and more access and so that's what i was talking about with the hype is just like there's more total participation it's just now that bell curve has actually shifted to the left of less experienced uh less competitive um and people that want to sell you on the shows tell you it's the other way and i have to disagree because i mean just look at the people in the past man go get zach mccarley and tell me he can't win clutch yeah don't give zach McCarley. so yeah no it's crazy i just like i obviously love strongman it just like i have been out of the powerlifting scene for a while and it opened my eyes to like holy shit this gap between the two is insane 
Are we going back for the tracksuits? Because I'm down with that. Dude, <laughs> the tracksuits were sick. Do you I was like, strong I was like, that? I was like kind of getting hyped because like like all these like D1 schools, like the people from Texas were like going horns up, other guys were going horns down. It was pretty, it was pretty sick. Like every big school was there. So it was so cool. But yeah. Um any anything else, Frawley, Dante? You guys have anything crazy? I, I thought that was else, a great man. discussion. I mean, we have we have a ton of questions, but a lot of them I think were answered uh during the show. Um and a lot of them are long questions, but Andrew, anything you want to touch on specifically like while you're on? Yeah, uh so I actually had a couple questions. Uh one was in competition, are you trying to be focused or like fury? So I guess just kind of like amped up. I've talked about other podcasts, but it kind of depends on the events. So the more skill technical Obviously, you want to be more focused and maybe the more like root strength, you could maybe be a little more aggressive. But I think that's an experience based one, too. Like the more you hone your craft and training, the more you can like ramp up the pace in competition. So, you know, Josh, from my programming, there are times I program you guys to go like over 60 seconds, but a slower pace. So maybe you hit eight reps in like 75 seconds. And then, you know, in the competition, when you reel in that pace and you don't, you know, you're a little more amped up from adrenaline, then, you know, you're going to get those eight reps in a minute. It's going to be close, but you're going to get it. So I think that would answer that question. Um, obviously, I'm as I've gotten older, I think it's more be calm than be uh, amped up. Um, or be calm until you need to get amped up. So like that stone load was a great example. You know, Be calm until it's time to get amped up and grab the stone. Yeah. Um, somebody asked, how do you balance growing in business and being an athlete? So I think it's more like the coaching side question. I think that's really tough. I don't think any – actively competing strongman is ever going to be the best coach ever. Uh, but I do think I'm higher than 50 percentile. Uh, I think it's, it's having a good schedule and good balance as far as like how you structure your day. Um, if I compete at like world strongest man level, I'm sure my service would go down a little bit because I'd be traveling more and, you know, do more rehab work and training. Uh, but I'd probably pivot that and having less clients, you know? So I see that as a problem is a lot of these athletes, they get so, much recognition they drive their business up and they don't realize they have less time than ever and then every client kind of suffers getting you know really quick updates or no updates or being left unread um and then i just wanted to throw something out i always forget in podcasts but you know i trained for class pretty much by myself but i had my training partner john come out to help a lot and he basically set up like freaking events for me like he didn't even train he just like set things up so it's a big help to him you know just getting things done and I, I think it's uh it's really cool to have support people around you that believe in you because like he never thought I wasn't gonna lose. Like he he never thought I was gonna lose. He always thought I was gonna win. And like he even told his wife, and like his wife was his wife's pregnant, they're gonna have a baby like next month. And even his wife's like, Yeah, go out and help him because like he's like the real deal. I'm like, dude, that that says a lot when you like like he's a client of mine, but like you've only been working with me and known me for like a little over a year. Like you never even saw me compete at a high level. So you're just banking on what I've told you and you know the action I've shown you. So I'm just like, shoot, man. So Again, like when you have people that believe in you, like the, the worst thing to do is like not follow through. So, I mean, you just kind of yeah. got to follow through. Uh, I think it's crazy. Like I know you train alone, but uh, primarily, but like you just mentioned, John, I tell people, and we've talked about it on here a million times. Like I think having like a good training group can make such a world of difference for people, especially in strong man on those days where you feel like shit and you're like, you know, out like four weeks out from a show and you don't want to set, you know, we have to set so much stuff up 
Right. And like the auto object load for the Arnold, for example, I remember how many people do we have helping for that? Nine of us. Cause we had three platforms to load to. So we have a guy per plat, two guys oh, right. per platform pulling the other implement down. And then of course they change it, you know, at the Arnold, but, and change all our implements and all our weights, but whatever, that's not here or there. So, yeah. No, I, uh, going on that topic because I do train alone. I, I train alone a lot because unfortunately they're not, everybody knows how to be a good training partner. So like, Again, you know, the reason John's a good training partner is like, yeah, he did not train with me while I was getting ready for class, but he has trained with me. And I think like you got to look at ways like how are you going to make this session better for the other person? Are you going to give are you going to give down calls? Are you going to give start commands? Are you going to are you going to run the timer to run the e-bomb? Are you going to film the set so I don't have to worry about you know having my camera set up? So anything that offloads stress. I mean, a lot of times people are training partners and they just want the energy from other people. And at a high level that I'm at, or at least higher than the average person in the gym. If all you want is my energy and you're not giving anything back, then you're literally taking from me. So yeah. it sounds really bad, but like you need to give. And that's what makes it easier to train with John is like, because when then when he's going, I don't mind coaching as much because like not only does he pay me, but like like in, in, in person, it's not included in online coaching, but I, it's more likely I'm going to give feedback because I know if I give to him, he's going to give to me and it's going to create a mutual, you know, it's going to be a mutual benefit. Yeah. And and uh, that's just lost on people, man. Everybody just wants to train for themselves. It's like, if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to cue people, you better be loading the weights. If you're not strong enough to load their weights, you better be grabbing their phone or running the timer. If you can't do that, maybe strong is not for you because there's those are pretty much three things that everybody should be able to do. So uh, maybe uh, I don't know. Yeah. Edit, edit their graphics. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good, them. it's a good point because like I even remember when I started in a gym, you know, when I saw like the biggest guy in there, the strongest guy in there and I started training with him, I just would load weights. Like, I mean, yeah. I was training, but like helping him load his squats. Like, that's a really good point. I think another thing you touched on too is uh, like, now that you've been in the sport longer, you try to stay calm. You you're more of a calm lifter. Yeah. And it reminds me of like my favorite, one of the favorite things that anyone's ever said on this pod was the way Ken McClelland. And he, he had the pull, he, he talked about pulling from the well only when you need to, like in training and saving it for competitions. And it just, when you talking about it, it really reminded me of it and he's how he approaches and he has his clients approach big lifts is put just having that well full. So when you need to pull from it, you can, you know, you see a lot of people that have been in powerlifting or strongman for a year or two and they're hitting nose torque every damn day. You know, just for a five by five deadlift, say, you know, and it's like, how long are you going to be able to sustain that? You right. know, so I thought that was such that just reminded me of like one of my favorite things ever. I mean, competition should be so arousing that like unless your form breaks down because you can't handle like the adrenaline, you should PR or like at least match it. I mean, it's it's tough being outside because like those things are negatives and then like the speed of class or speed of shows. But even with that, you should be able to offset it with that adrenaline. Um, yes, I agree with that. I agree with, you know. Don't have people slap you on the back. Don't use nose torque. I probably only use nose torque every other week for deadlifting. And that's just like my bad event. So I kind of like reward myself. And then maybe towards the end, like when I'm peaking and doing those last couple, you know, like one set runs for the contest. But yeah, freaking three months out, man, I don't even bring my nose torque to the gym. And it's weak as heck, according to Johnny. So it probably <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I was just scrolling through the questions and I don't know why one caught me so off guard. It says, does he ever get called Andy? 
And it took me a second to like under like because you're Andrew. <laughs> I don't know why that caught me so off guard, but that's definitely my favorite question. Does anyone call you Andy? No. All right. Well, I, I'm, not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of that nickname. I mean, I love Toy Story, but you it's know. so funny because like every single <laughs> question is serious. <laughs> and then it just says, can I call him Andy? <laughs> I don't know why it caught me off guard, but if you have to ask, you can't, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if we don't have that relationship, then if you can't ask me straight up then no, you yeah. can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. But yeah, man, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, I'm always bad about giving shout outs to everyone. So, you know, as cocky as I am as an athlete, like I really appreciate all the athletes I get to compete against. I feel like that's something that's like, it's hard to be at the top of your class without sounding like you're being disrespectful. But, you know, like I said, guys in my heat were really great. Like I kind of got to talk to Vince. I think he's a great up and comer. Uh, I talked to Mark O'Connor, you know, I mean, he freaking tore his bicep and still continued doing the show, which I think is awesome. Because uh, that's what I do, right? Like, I, I just don't believe in, in ever having to quit. You know, you just keep doing it. Um, and then, obviously, like, I've got a lot of help from my coach. Uh, so, I work with Mike Westerling, and he just keeps my head on straight. Uh, and just all my family support. And, yeah, so it's just uh, – it's hard to thank all those people. And it sounds really cocky to be like, probably no matter what, I'm going to make it happen. But, like, indefinitely, those people made it much, much easier to – bring that dream, you know, to have it happen. Um, and then obviously thank you guys for having me on the podcast. So I can just talk about myself and, and further inflate my <laughs> ego and, uh, and whatever else validate my, myself on the internet. <laughs> well, man, you're welcome on anytime, you know, that, and, um, probably don't anything. Well, Wrap it up, man. sign Where it off go? with, uh, sign off with the best one Oh five KG to ever do it. Andrew Clayton. No, 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 no. I said, I said American. I, I've never said world. I just said American. I, I'm saying it. Well, I, I don't want to piss off the Europeans, you know. <laughs> well, I just had about a thousand French people in my DMs claiming to kill me two weeks ago because, because we filmed with Tommy, Andrew, and Ben Logan about uh, Ben Donan's thing. Didn't even say anything negative about Ben. But said like he didn't weigh it. We didn't. We thought it was weird he wasn't weighing in for any world records, like in doing them in one-off shows. And we just mentioned it. And then everyone from France was threatening me in French in my DMs to kill me. But did he? But he weighed in, right? Like I mean, you can't, a, like, alleged. Like they posted it after. Allegedly, well, yeah. I, I, so and, and and that's fine. Small small little thing on that. I have filmed probably every weigh-in I've done, and so it's time stamped. That but was, I filmed. I filmed the weigh-in for Clash too. And let's just get on that topic for one second because you, you got me started. The weigh-ins, they weigh until I got there to weigh in. And you already know why. Because I'll call people out. If you get if you get advantage weigh-in, you better believe I'm gonna be upset. So I get there, I walk in, I weigh in before our official weigh-in. I'm like 104.1 or something. I'm underweight. I was actually underweight all night. I had eaten like a protein bar and all this other stuff. So I literally take the Pedialyte out, drink it, hop back on the scale. And I'm like, I'm going to do this until it's time to weigh in in like 30 minutes. Like, I'm going to be exactly 104, you know, 0.9 or whatever, 104.5. Yeah, that's funny. Or 105.0. And then, like, I go sit down and they're like, yeah, we'll just start weighing in now. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, because I have to be here. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, like, no, we weren't saying anything negative. I actually think I said on the pod, like, <laughs> Ben Donan is clearly the clear – the strongest 80 kilo in the world like absolutely he, regardless like he made way for clash and he made way for osg and he won both but yeah. like we were just saying because he obviously struggled to make weight at the arnold and did not make weight oh did he not like 
just yep. broke just broke uh, like three world records after uh, he didn't make so it was a quick mention like hey yeah. we want strongman to grow we're being critical and then people in french are sending me stuff that i have to translate and i'm like dude i literally was complimenting the whole pod but it's all good well did his fake weigh-in happen 24 hours or 72 mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> whatever man we should just do away with weigh-ins we should just come in and we just have to write what weight we thought we were and then put our name down in our opening attempt. Like, oh, I'm I'm identifying as 105 this week, <laughs> and I will open at 200 kilos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's what it is. That's all I'm gonna say about that for now. Yeah, but it was. But man, again, we appreciate you coming on, and, and thank yeah. you guys. Thank you everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Right. Appreciate it.